0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Greetings, salutations, and hello to all of my Unlucky Lounge rats. They're out and about in the multiverse. It is wonderful to so see you have joined us back here in the Unlucky Lounge in historic monastery Manor for another episode of Draft and Draft. My name is Corey, your limited lore master, denizen of this local fine establishment, and as always, right on time, with two lands in hand, it is our best bear-tending friend, Borok. Borok, how are you doing this lovely evening? Oh yes, my bear buddy, I am psyched, I am ready, I am amped for today's episode because we have another potential historic moment for all of the Unlucky Lounge Rat crew out there. But before we get to history incarnate, let's go ahead and go through some of those bits of housekeeping. First off, this podcast is brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network. Check them out, B-L-E-A-V.com, for a wide variety of shows, lots of great content to make those midday blues go bye bye and, of course, we want you to find us and follow us on our socials. On Instagram, Corey DeMone Enriquez, On Twitter, Draft, and, Draft Corey. and if this show has been providing you some fun stuff, check out our Patreon, Draft and Draft, an MTG Podcast. Helping us out, you help keep the lights on in the Unlucky Lounge. Housekeeping is done. The Sorcerer's Broom is put back into the Conjurer's Closet. And never before... Has my uttering of the words, Sorcerer's Broom, been more apropos because, on Arena, limited best of one ranking, Throne of Eldraine is back, baby. (laughs) Yes, Borak, I feel that excitement too. A plane made up of storybook tales and fairy tale friends is back for us to test and make our way up the ladder in a very rich, unique, and framed differently kind of limited environment that we don't get to see all that often and for those of you who have been joining since the beginning you know that Throne of drain is one of the inspirations for this show to take flight i love the top down design of these cards juxtaposed with very dynamic limited format underpinnings and uh, i don't know i'm just i, I feel invigorated borak after playing a lot of m21 to finally be revisiting this plane <sighs> You might have a point there, Borak. Yes, the fact that my limited record for M21 is not very good, I will say going back to a format that I'm quite fond of helps out quite a bit, especially as I want to make those top rankings. Who doesn't want to make Mythic by the end of the month? I certainly do. It doesn't mean much, but hey, it feels good to have a goal to shoot for. And after our last episode, the RPG effect, having those little accomplishments and achievements in Arena... It helps out a lot. And so, that being said, I dug deep into Throne of Eldraine. I decided to try and jam as many drafts as I possibly could since it came out last Friday. Since then, I've had a chance to redraft this wonderful format filled with food and fairies and huntsmen and knights galore. And we've been on quite the streak. I'm gonna estimate our best of one looted record over the five different drafts to be just about 19 and 5, which means that we are currently one win away from making it to Mythic for the second time. Thank you, thank you. You're too kind, but just like the last time in Ikoria, we are going to take this rubber match, this deck that I'm currently 6-2 at, and play out the ultimate game, the final game in this deck stretch, and of course get a chance to try and go over the hill and make it to Mythic. Now before we get to that live on-air playthrough, let me give you a chance to recap my observations for coming back to Eldraine, what the player draft has done to the format, and get ourselves overall hyped and amped for the coming culmination. So first, let's talk about the elephant in the room. The thing that really drove down Eldrain in the public eye most of all. It was widely drafted on Arena, and a lot of people gained a certain admonishment for the bot based on the fact that folks Secret Keeper was so underdrafted by the computer and people could end up with decks that have five to six merfolk secret keepers and it would cause people to feel like they were going insane and who can blame them it was a single card that warped the meta because of the way the bots were programmed and it basically led to a lot of non-interactive magic which i think 90 percent of people who play limited love their interactive games of Magic the Gathering. And now that we've returned to Eldraine in limited on Arena, I am happy to report that the Merfolk Secret Keeper problem is not as bad as it used to be. I think this is one of the coolest limited formats of all time, it's a chef's kiss of an accomplishment that incentivized me to actually want to play Monocolor. And now, I think that though I'm still seeing a mill deck in every draft that I'm competing against, I don't think it is as egregious as I think people saw it as. I just use a lot of as's in one sentence. Um, excuse me Borok, no I did not say that. That is gross. All that being said, in any limited environment match on Arena with Eldrain, I would still expect to see at least one mill deck at the table because I think the strong, resonant visage of Merfolk Sneaky Keeper still lingers in the environment and people are going to try to do it. But without having access to five or six of them consistently with the bots, I think it's giving a little bit of a breath of fresh air for said limited environment. Now, what else is there to draft? Or what else have I seen in the last few events? I've seen a number of mono-white and mono-red decks. They're strong, they're aggressive, and they can be quite good. Especially because some of the stronger pieces in Eldraine, the commons and uncommons, say a Rimrock Knight. They only go really well in the aggressive builds. Same with Ardenvale Paladin. The 2-3 three for 3 that adventures to tap down two creatures in instant speed. It's a good card but it's exclusively good in the aggressive decks. So the pieces that are aggressive, the aggressive decks will get, and sometimes they'll get it relatively late. So if you're getting past an aggressive deck, investigate, give it a try. The other deck that I'm seeing a lot, and a deck that I have drafted a number of times, is the blue-black Controlly Artifact build. And I still think this deck is good, and I still love playing it. Turn 1, having a Witching Well on the battlefield, shaping your next few turns, and then casting Brink to Life on your Animating Fairy, you feel like you've gotten away with something, especially if you go into turn 2, Lucky Clover. Boom! 2 four fours swinging on turn 3. Blue-black deck being aggressive, you know it. And of all the hybrid 4 mana-costing cards, the ones that have 4 mana symbols and a 2-color combination, Covetous Urge has got to be one of the strongest ones and one of the few ones that I will take relatively early in a pack and go into because a lot of them you really need to be in the proper deck to take advantage of their power level. All of that to say blue black artifact control value plan with some strong synergy still a top deck for me and a lot of fun to pilot and I played I think two of my five drafts in these colors, and it felt very good. It felt very strong, and it felt good to be back in a format that allows you to do cute things and get rewarded for it. Unlike, say, Corset 2021 in best of one drafts. I don't know, I'm just saying things out loud. Now let's say I were to fire up another best of one draft of Eldraine in Arena. One deck that I would very much expect to see often is Mono Green Aggressive decks. These are the kind of builds that take advantage of Gingerbrute, the Rosethorn Halbert, and the Wirewood Tracker, and playing a lot of low power cards, but cards that have a lot of benefit to emptying out your hand and asking your opponent to deal with these cards. I have seen a number of them in the number of drafts that I had, and I feel very grateful that for most of my considerations, I'm taking really early interaction. I think this partially has to do with M21 still kind of lingering in the consciousness of the social sphere out there, so I think some of these aggressive builds are being more proliferated in the best-of-one human drafts on Arena. A lot more mono-green aggression... I think there's a lot more mono red aggression and i think this also means that you should be ticking up your pick order for cards like reeve soul and scorching Dragonfire. yes scorching Dragonfire. the m21 all star began in eldraine and now that we've returned with player drafts juxtaposed with the way that m21 has been influencing the zeitgeist has made this card i think become a little bit better and a little bit higher of a pick. And speaking of Scorching Dragonfire, let's get to our event at hand. This deck that could just get the 7th win and put us over the hump and into the Mythic rating for July on Arena. And we ended up with a blue-red Draw 2 Matters deck. Now, I know what a lot of my lucky lounge rats out there are thinking is that by the end of the format, content creators such as myself kind of wrote off the power of this archetype because a lot of the best cards for it are built into the uncommon rarity. So you need higher rarities to make this two color combination really hum. You need cards like Improbable Alliance. You need Fairy Vandal, the 1-2 flash flyer that gets a counter when you draw your second card on each turn. Well, my unlucky lounge rats, if this draft deck could have a moral, the moral of this would be, if a deck is being passed to you, even if it's being written off, you should still probably be in it. This would be a good example of, say, the White Black Life gain deck from Corsa 2021. You don't often want to be in the deck because it requires a lot of uncommon payoffs to make the deck come, like Griffin Airy or Indulging Patrician. The same thing is for the Blue Red Draw Two cards deck. When it gets passed to you, you have to know how to draft it, and you have to know when to get into it. And this draft did just that. It started off with a pretty safe Scorching Dragon fire, followed by a Searing Barrage, trying to cement ourselves into red, maybe sending as few red signals as possible going into pack two. I found that while drafting best of one online, sending the clearest possible signals is to your benefit. That even includes, say, getting a late 9th or 10th pick, something good in a different color, just shipping it along if you're sending the right signals for that same color to the person on your left. So, I was taking as many red cards as I possibly can, picked up a Turn Into a Pumpkin on pick three, then we found a Fierce Witch Stalker, I took that, not sure where I was gonna go from there, then we found a Merchant of the Veil, happy to take that, and then, My first hint had a signal, the first copy of Improbable Alliance. It's the red-blue enchantment that says when you draw your second card each turn, you create a one-one blue flying fairy creature token. And then for four red-blue, you can loot. This card is very strong if you can have the deck come with it because the activated ability is mostly irrelevant. And in order to make a card like this work, you really have to start to shape your deck for it. I took it because it had the highest power level of the cards in the pack. Pack 1, I just continued to try and take as many red cards as I can, trying to avoid any signals, and then maybe getting paid off in Pack 2. And Pack 2 started with another Improbable Alliance, along with another Scorching Dragonfire. I took the removal happily and continued to try to find my best signal. Well, after that, we found one of my pet cards from this format and Limited. Emery, Lurker of the Lock. It's a rare. It's a 1-2 for 3. It costs one less for each artifact you control. When it enters the battlefield, you mill four cards. And then you choose an artifact card in your graveyard, and you can cast that this turn as a tap ability. This card, when combined with cards like Witching Well and Golden Egg, it becomes an engine into itself. And then we saw another improbable alliance. So I've got this zenith, this triangle of synergy. Emery wanting me to get more witching wells and golden eggs. We already have a turn into a pumpkin. We can pick up an opt maybe on the wheel. We saw a late improbable alliance in packs one and pack two. That's a signal to me. The draft rounded off quite nicely. I ended up with two witching wells, two golden eggs, a couple rares. I opened an ember which if anyone's played standard, you know that card's disgusting. A stolen by the Fae, that's X, blue, blue, a sorcery to return a creature to its owner's hand, and then you make that many 1-1 one, one blue fairy creature tokens with flying, solid card. We ended up with the Fairy Vandal, more uncommon payoffs for this draw 2 archetype, and a deck that really pays off in this draw 2 synergy. I ended up picking up a late Merchant of the Veil in pack 3 as well that just told me that even though this deck is maybe not so supported in the commons it has some great payoffs if it's open and comes together thank you Bork. i'm pretty proud of this draft as well and hopefully this draft is going to take us to mythic nation we've got one game we're six and two in playing this deck can we bring it all together well my unlucky lounge rats We're going to figure that out after we take a quick break. Stick around. I haven't really woken up until I've had my McDonald's breakfast deal. And I know this is true because before breakfast, I put my phone in the refrigerator and couldn't find the keys that were already in my hand. Nothing gets the morning going like the first sip of an iced coffee. Get any size and any flavor for 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price and participation may vary. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. McDonald's, I'm loving it. Welcome back, all my unlucky lounge rats, from the break, and thanks for continuing to tune in as we here in monoscrew Manor attempt to make it to Mythic Nation. Will we do it? Let's find out and have ourselves an untap step. Good question, Borok. Uh, for this deck, I think it's more apropos to keep 17 lands. I know all the algorithms on Arena say 16 is a good number to prevent being flooded, but I don't think this deck is gonna have problems using more mana with having the Inclusion of like Improbable Alliance and Witching Wells and be able to do all the stuff with that All right, our game is loaded. We are on the draw and we have a Solid hand to start off with two mountains two islands an Improbable Alliance We've got a golden egg and amber cleave. <laughs> Ways to draw more cards. We have the centerpiece of synergy. This is a solid solid keep our opponent starts on swamp passes the turn and We drew a mountain gonna play island to represent blue it's good color oh, our opponent started on smitten swordmaster and then we're gonna play improbable alliance and create a fairy token put a big block on the board that's pretty cool whoa our opponent played a second smitten swordmaster I think we're in a good matchup here alright so we drew a witching well and a queen of ice in the last two turns turn three playing the golden egg into playing the witching well starting to shape our next few turns Looking pretty good right now. Uh, Witching Well. We're gonna scry two. Ooh, stolen by the Fae and an island. Put the island on the bottom and keep the stolen by the Fae on top. (laughs) Yeah, Borok. Witching Well is kind of like a three for one. Not only does it draw you two cards eventually, but the scry two, putting that island on the bottom, is basically as good as drawing another card. And it looks like our opponents are missing land drops. They've got a red and black mana, two Smitten Swordmasters. I've got Improbable Alliance that makes those Swordmasters look really sad. I think we're in the driver's seat here. Well, they attack with their Smitten Swordmaster. I'll block happily and... (laughs) oh, they just played the third Smitten Swordmaster. This is great. So what we can do is on their turn, activate Witching Well, Draw two cards, and then produce another chump blocker. We might go to 14, but we get all the value in the world. I'm in, so pass the turn. (laughs) Yeah, we might just make it to Mythic based on the fact that our opponents aren't playing lands. (laughs) That sucks. Uh, Pass to Attackers. All right, now we're going to activate Witching Well. draw two cards. Make a Fairy Token off of Improbable Alliance. That's cool. Oh! We drew another Witching Well plus Island. Oh, can I get a chef's kiss? Not the kiss I was thinking of, but thanks Borok. So they're at 30, we're at 14. All they've done so far is play triple Smitten Swordmaster, which is really great to see, because if our opponents were to say, really start to deploy these knights and then do all these Curry Favors, which is the sorcerer, the sorcery adventure side of Smitten Swordmaster. You gain X life and each opponent loses X life, or X is the number of knights you control. That gets really out of hand. So we just drew our Emery, another piece of our value puzzle. And she costs two right now, but I can play the Witching Well to make her one blue mana and set us up for future turns. I think that's the right way of approaching it. So yeah. We'll start in the second Witching Well. Scry two. See, two lands. Put them on the bottom. Feels so good, (laughs) Borak. Then we're going to play the Emery for one blue. Let's see what ends up in the yard. Mill two more lands and we get a golden egg in the yard. Oh, this is just stunning. Pass the turn. So if they. Draw land and Giant Skewer, which they played last turn. Their Smitten Swordmaster. We can just Scorching Dragonfire it off of one of the cards we drew. Oh, they Reeve Solar Emery. That's so depressing. Well, can't have it all sometimes. Past attackers. I think I'm just going to let them swing with their 2-1. I could Scorching Dragonfire it. But I think that I get more equity if I try and trade off with a fairy token. Feels pretty good. I'll go to 12, that's fine. I'd rather keep the Scorching Dragonfire for something pretty impactful. (laughs) And we just drew the second improbable alliance. So now we have two improbable alliances and we got our witching well going. Oh, it's so good. So during our turn we can crack the witching well, make two fairy tokens if they choose to equip with giant skewer i'll probably just scorching dragon fire it yeah i'm just gonna scorching dragon fire it now they're just spending their whole turn to do this and now we just kill it now we're just firmly in the driver's seat we have tempo we have board advantage might take a few more turns to get him but we're good drew the second scorching dragon fire If it was ever an issue about playing the first one on the Equipment and Swordmaster, drawing the second one has alleviated any of those concerns. We're just going to pass. I don't know, Borok. Like, Black Red is okay. It does get to play one of my favorite cards the best, which is Sorcerer's Broom. Because it has a lot of sack outlets. They play Lost Legion, sure, Scry 2. I'll probably save the Scorching Dragonfire when they try to go and equip with the Giant Skewer. And just really outtempo them even more. Uh, yeah, crack the Witching Well, draw 2. The next turn we can swing with both of our fairies, and we get to play our Embercleave on one of the fairies. Oh, that's just gross. And we'll flash out this Fairy Vandal that we drew off of the Witching Well. Yeah, I know, Barack's sequencing, right? Next to combat. Attack. And then we're going to flash in this Embercleave. No big deal. Put on a Fairy Vandal. All right, they are going to take a big ol' 4-6. They're at 26, we're at 12. Don't even care. Pass the turn. Scorch and Dragonfire in our hand for any shenanigans. And feeling pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, Brock, there's some actual value to the activated ability of Improbable Alliance now. It makes two fairies. It puts a counter on the Fairy Vandal. They're going to go Giant Skewer on the Lost Legion. This is where I'm going to Scorching Dragonfire. The only way they could potentially win is if they cheese us out with damage, but even with that, we still have a golden egg on our battlefield. And they go to Scorching Dragonfire, our Fairy Vandal. Fair play. Fair play. Fair play. Fair play. Probably going to start to just loot. I just drew a mountain. Recap in our hand. We have Queen of Ice, Stolen by the Fae, Quarter Monitor, Charm Sleep, of the card draws that we got from the Witching Wells. And now I'm just going to Improbable Alliance this mountain that I just drew. Produces two more fairies. And then we drew our Searing Barrage. That is going to be another removal spell. Three points of damage to the face. We have three mountains. We have three islands. We have all of the adamants that we could possibly want, plus an Embercleave for eventuality. I don't know how the black-red deck is gonna get out of this. They do have a Barrow Witches, so they get to get back one of their Smitten Swordmasters. That's pretty cute. I don't know if it's gonna beat what we got going on right now. and ops. let's Opt, get our value, and we see a Merchant of the Veil. Oh, man. It's like we can have our cake and eat it too, Boron. Alright, so then we'll just swing with four flying fairies in the air. I'll just run out this Queen of Ice, I'll cast the Adventure side, tap down the Barrow Witches, and then play the 2-3. So even equipping their Giant Skewer doesn't get them very far. They're at 20, we're at 12, we're in the driver's seat. Any creature they play, you can remove it with either Charm Sleep or Searing Barrage, Ember Cleave, can equip it to the Queen of Ice. Oh, that's funny as if it actually mattered. Our opponent goes deep in the tank, then plays a lost legion. They then have a smitten swordmaster. They get to get us for one off the curry favor. Okay. So this is like the kind of direct damage that could cheese us out, but the fact that we took care of most of what's happening right now feels pretty good. Drew a land. I'm going to play that land, and then I'm going to... Past the Roman side of Merchant of the Veil. I'm going to discard this quarter armada. I don't think we need it anymore. And we get to double trigger the Improbable Alliance. We're then going to swing for six in the air with the Flyers. So Leave back between of They take six. We are going to play the Merchant of the Veil. And uh, for... Nah, I don't even run anything out. I will, I'll equip the Embercleave, though. We'll equip it to the Queen of Ice, just in case. Our opponent plays another Barrow Witches. That is frightening. They are black-red knights with triple Smitten Swordmaster. This would be really, really hard to beat if they didn't brick on two lands for multiple turns. So now we got eight flying in the air. We've got an Embercleave. I'm feeling pretty good about basically whatever happens. The stolen by the Fae is particularly awkward, though, against them. Uh, I might just cast on the Lost Legion, though, because I think at that point this game is over. First, let's activate the Merchant to get all of our triggers. Discard the island that we just drew. Draw a mountain. Bravo Alliance does the trigger thing. And I think we're going to go to town and see what they want to do. Swing with the Queen of Ice that has Embercleave on it. All the fairies. let them do the math. This is a math for blockers. We got both Searing Barrage and Turn Into a Pumpkin in our hand. So if they try to block for some cute way, we get to blow them out. They block with both their Barrow Witches. This is where Searing Barrage is going to do its work. That's pretty cool. Searing Barrage with Adamant on a Barrow Witch. Pay with Adamant. We're tapped out. But... It's looking pretty good at this point. That is getting them at two. at one turn to try and kill us. We've got a lot of fairies, Borok. No, I I really like their deck, Borok. I really like their deck. I think it's very potent and it takes advantage of cards that table around, like a smitten swordmaster. When put in the right deck, like what this deck is doing right now, can seriously put a dent into people's life total. Okay, I'm at 11. I know they have one Smitten Swordmaster in hand. There might be a chance I could lose. Nope, there's the explosion. And that's us making it back to Mythic Nation. All of my unlucky lounge rats. Yeah, it feels good, but more importantly, it just feels great to return back to Eldraine and get a chance to play with monocolor with some really sweet uncommon payoffs and build around cards and just overall take a quick breath from Corset 2021. Having a chance to step away from it for a hot second was, I think, healthy for my own mental energy and the amount of mental energy that I want to expend on Magic the Gathering. Just getting to do stuff that I'm super nostalgic for It is really nice. And I bet if I get a chance to crack open some more digital boosters, of course, at 2021, that maybe I'll gain a little more appreciation for it. Having a different kind of play style, a hard, quick, fast deploy, and I'm not opposed to it. However... <laughs> In just a few days, we're going even further back in time, and back to the OG plane, Dominaria is soon to be in best of one on Arena for the Ladder, and believe you me, Unlucky Laundrats, we're going to be talking about that real soon. Well, once more, my Unlucky Laundrats, thanks for tuning in, and thanks for joining us once more on the successful journey to Mythic Nation. And as always, I want to know from all of you out there. Find me on socials, Draft and Draft Corey. Corey DuMont Enriquez on Instagram. And if the show is giving you some joy, do us a favor and drop a rating wherever you find us. Apple Podcasts, it helps out with the algorithms and helps us get more listens and keep this show rolling. So just take a hot second to rate us. And even if it's not five stars, I'd love to know what you think. And also... Let us know what you think about these Journey to Mythic Nation episodes, the live reading of our gameplay. Do you enjoy them? Are there little details that you'd love to know while playing the game? Hit us up on socials to let us know. And help us, help you celebrate the game while listening to this show in your earholes. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. When we start to put phrases like earholes together, it's time to call it a night so on behalf of myself and of course my bear buddy (sighs) borak thanks for tuning in we'll see you real soon and go out there and make some magical memories of your own